Swamiji, for people who are trying to make a decision in their lives, how do they get good guidance as to what course of action to take? The technique that I know is to ask the question here mentally, offer it up to the point between the eyebrows. That is because it's nothing to do with the eyebrows or the forehead. But the frontal lobe of the brain, um, that point in that frontal lobe is uh, the point from which, sort of like a puppet, if you put it up by the top knot, everything falls into place. So when you focus there, that's the seat of concentration. It's also the seat of superconsciousness. And it's the seat of willpower. When you want to do something, you knit your eyebrows. And so when you, when you put the thought there and demand, you're sending out like a radio signal. And then the heart is the receiving set. And in the heart, you can receive your answer as to whether you should do it or not. You can ask the question, is this right? And then if you're in tune, you'll feel, yes, this is right. One other way that you can do it, but uh, it may not be all right under all circumstances, you can try it a little bit. You can say the guidance you receive may be to go north, but the next corner may go right, go east. And uh, at that point, you should always keep asking. However, I said that may not always work. Supposing a woman says, now should I marry this man? Mm. So she marries him and then reaches the corner and finds that it didn't work. <laughs> so better to be sure first. How can you be sure? You can't. There's so many desires that come in and they, you are often tricked by desire. Sometimes people change too. A woman may marry a man who's amiable, kind, etc. And then he takes up drinking and becomes violent. There was a, a, an American who married a Muslim from Arabia. And he was very kind to her in America. When he went back with her to Arabia, suddenly he became very harsh toward her. And uh, she had to leave him. But how could she know? You can't know. There's some things that have to unfold themselves as they do. Nonetheless, I have found that if I keep in tune with that guidance, it shows me all along the way which way is the best. This seems very akin to intuition. It is intuition. So how can you develop... How do you develop intuition? Intuition is calm feeling. You know, it's an interesting thing. There are four aspects to mind, to, the, to our consciousness. Mind, intellect, ego, feeling. But in the ancient Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, the yoga stanzas, you might say, of Patanjali, he said the definition of yoga or union with God is chitta vritti niroda, neutralizing the vortices of feeling. When you, it doesn't speak, he didn't speak about uniting your soul with God. God is everywhere. Really speaking, he's in you too, he's everywhere. But when you can eliminate these vortices of feeling, likes and dislikes, desires, distaste, 
um, excitement, depression, the reactions, and uh, so on, action and reaction, all these impulses of feeling. Then you discover that feeling is the essence of your consciousness, not intellect. You can compute, you can program a computer to think cleverly. But consciousness is something deeper than that. Cons Self-consciousness. Okay, they say nowadays that someday computers will be sophisticated enough to be demanding computer rights. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. You could touch a worm with a pin and the worm will wriggle away. It's self-conscious and it has feeling. And those are the two things science can never create. They exist. How do I know that I exist? That is an intuition. I simply know. And so we can know what is right by intuition. That takes more sophistication. But when these feelings are calm, then, for example, my guru used to say <clears throat> that a cloud on a hill, it might be a cloud, it might be smoke, it might be a fire. How do you know? The intellect can't know, but the intuition can. Intuition can solve every problem. Intuition can know everything. Swami, if we're trying to... If In some... other words, intuition is the soul's power of knowing God. Mm. Go ahead. Um, slightly related to something you were saying earlier. If we're trying to accomplish something particular, is it helpful to visualize the result as an exercise of uh, trying to feel guidance, a particular result? or It's okay to visualize it, but the most famous scripture in India, the Bhagavad Gita, says we must not desire it. Desireless action, having no desire for the fruits of action. <clears throat> this is important. Nonetheless, you can visualize that success. Of course, you have to. On the other hand, there's a story which is a very interesting one. Somebody died, and St. Peter was showing him around heaven. And uh, <clears throat> they took him to the heavenly junkyard, and he saw all the things that people in this world had been offered but had rejected. And he saw a beautiful Cadillac, he said, how could anybody reject that? And St. Peter said, well, it's interesting you ask that question because the person who rejected it was you. <laughs> he said, well, that's not possible. I couldn't possibly do that. <laughs> he said, well, yes, every time you visualize the car, you visualize the Volkswagen. <laughs> so we should, we should visualize a direction at least toward the best so that whatever limit we have we may go beyond that. Somebody may hope to become just a justice of the peace and finally end up becoming president. He shouldn't limit his visualization to being a justice of the peace. He should enter into a sense of direction upward in that direction, mm -hmm. upward toward creating better laws, better um, system for people to live under and so on better guidance, and uh, all of this was, is paralyzed if your affirmation is too narrow mm -hmm. or too rigid. It should have that flexibility 
of a constant improvement. Swamiji, you talked about intuition coming through calm feeling. And I would say intuition is calm feeling. In order to be enlightened, you've said that we should eliminate personal feelings. Yes. So that feeling is impersonal and calm. Is that That's right? right. It's, you must, we must get rid of the personal element of it, which ties it down to one body and then what the body wants. So it can't, you can't separate personal from desires, from reactions. Do you have advice as to how to achieve that state? Well, I would say that whatever comes to you in life, take it calmly, take it impersonally. So, in fact, it, it doesn't hurt to test yourself sometimes, open yourself to the possibility of being subjected to great pain, uh, as an example. I had a dream uh, some weeks ago of being crucified, not crucified, burned at the stake. And I found that in that dream, I just was completely calm and accepting. I thought, so I'll, my body will suffer for a little while, but then I'll be free from it. And I'll be free from that pain. So if we can reach the point of accepting whatever comes to us, it doesn't hurt sometimes to visualize whatever you don't want and visualize it as a possibility and say, could I accept that? And if you can, then you're free. So if um, you lose your job, you don't want to affirm, I've lost my job, but just ask yourself, if I did, would that be the end of the world for me? No, it doesn't hurt. For example, if, you're, if you have certain fears, to visualize those fears actually materializing, and then ask yourself, could I take that? Death is the supreme fear. But there are many books today of people describing near-death experiences or actually people who have died. And uh, as soon as they left their body, they're completely free of pain. So why worry about it? You, uh, when you realize that reincarnation is a truth, then you realize that you don't really lose anything. And in fact, your own nearest and dearest, you don't lose them. You just meet them again in some other form. But everybody has met people to whom he feels instantly close. And he wonders why. It's because they were close before. These bonds that we form with people are eternal. And whatever you've been through in your life, if you think of God first, nothing, nothing can touch you. So remember, affirming, you must affirm success, you must affirm happiness, you must affirm love and kindness, you must affirm that what you're trying to do you'll succeed in. All these things are good, but above all, you must also say, whatever comes, I am not touched by it to get rid of the sense of ego identity in that. You will succeed better if you don't identify yourself with that success. That's why the Bhagavad Gita says to give up desire for the fruits of action. Nishkam karma is the expression. When we can act 
without being attached to whatever happens to us, then we can make the best of anything that happens so that even if you fail, well, you can do better next time. You can turn that success, that failure to a, another kind of success. So you lost your money. Now you find that a new way of serving people may be more true to your own nature. You may be in many ways successful and yet a failure inside because you're not doing what you want when you can have that attitude of whatever comes of itself, let it come. Then you have that calmness to simply accept. Accept failure, accept disease, accept everything, accept death. Everything is a part of God. And when you can have that attitude, no matter what comes to you, you feel happy. And the main thing is that we feel happy.